If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy. And you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to. And this week's movie is an epic three-hour odyssey through anxiety. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my God. Um, But before we get to that, first, we have a little bit of haunted housekeeping. Yes. Which is that we have a live show coming up next weekend, April 30th, where we will be recapping Evil Dead Rise. Oh, God. (laughs) What's the line? Mommy, there are maggots everywhere? Is that Mommy's Mommy's with the maggots now. Mommy, there are maggots everywhere. Yeah, that's the line. (laughs) Mommy, I believe there are maggots everywhere. Excuse me. Mommy, there's maggots everywhere. Um, No, it's going to be bad. You wish it was that. It's going to be really bad. But fun. It's going to be fun for me at the very least. Mm -hmm. Just you. TBD on Emily and Henley. I am going to be making them watch the Red Band trailer, and that's going to be tough for them, I know. (laughs) It was tough for you. It was tough for even me. Uh, But if you want to join us, that'll be, again, April 30th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, available on our Patreon, patreon.com slash TSDW podcast. And it's going to be a great time. (sighs) And okay. Now back to lighter affairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Did anything scary happen to us this week? Did you guys hear that? Sorry, my upstairs neighbor just dropped like a piano upstairs. Oh, something, <laughs> something scary happened right now in this moment. Sorry, it was so loud. Dropped a piano. <laughs> that's big. That's big. It was honestly that's a huge thud. I was worried you guys could hear it and it would be um, distracting. I mean, yeah, piano is pretty, that's pretty big. Thing That'd be to a big drop. I Didn't actually, I thought about, I've thought many times about talking about my upstairs neighbor during this check-in, mm. but it feels sure. like something that's like kind of, no one wants to hear about that. Everyone has an upstairs neighbor. No one cares that their upstairs neighbor is loud. That's just life. That's just what it is. I have a, I have a loud upstairs neighbor as well. But yep. they, yeah. okay. So let me just tell you a little bit about my upstairs neighbors. Yeah, you know what? Just do it, Hen. If you've been thinking about it for a while, just, this is safe space. Just dive right in. Just really quick. Okay. So they introduced themselves to us when we first moved in right away. And they were like, Interesting. they were like, listen, we do take our shoes off. Um, and we are <laughs> like, they really got, it. they really got ahead of it. They're like, we 
are do, we'll do our best, you know, to keep That's things. Right. Quiet. I mean, it's like we're above you. We live in a community. Mm-hmm. Let's be conscious. Yeah. And they're both flight attendants. So they're gone a lot. Um, but mm-hmm. then they when they come back, it is very obvious and Drop very pianos. loud. <laughs> yeah, they take their shoes off, but they're dropping heavy objects left and right. They do a lot of vacuuming. We've heard that on the podcast before. <laughs> um, wait, have I talked about their vacuuming before? No, I literally hear it when I'm editing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That's validating for me. That's actually genuinely validating. Um, so uh, the question always is, is it such a mystery about what is happening, right? I'm always trying to interpret what it, really it could is interesting be. how hard it is to parse out sounds that are seeming, they have to be normal sounds. They have to be the same sounds that we're making. But when you hear it from above, could be anything. It sounds like they're moving <laughs> furniture all the time. And <laughs> maybe they are, because I don't know what else it could be. Tim and I think that since they're flight attendants, <laughs> they have a lot of luggage. Luggage. And it's, and it's stored. That makes sense. Because we live in small New York City apartments, it must be stored <gasps> in hard to reach places. So they're moving stuff to get to the they're luggage. Jangling. You would think if they need the luggage all the time, jangling. they wouldn't put it behind <laughs> heavy pieces of furniture. <laughs> but in my but mind, I don't know. I, when I picture what these noises must be, I'm literally picturing them like, <laughs> like flinging over dining room chairs, like pushing the, the table up the behind the piano. They have yeah. to move the piano to get to it. <laughs> anyway, um, that's the scary thing is that that's a constant in my life, which doesn't really bother me that much. Um, well, here's a question, Hen. You have a downstairs neighbor. Did you introduce yourself? to them no one lives and there did you have the same conversation no, no one lives there no one lives there and no one has lived there the entire time we've lived here and i don't know That's why spooky. it is a little spooky <laughs> an empty new york apartment that feels like what's going on what's going on and there you know that people have died in these apartments a lot of them sure. a lot of them no like while i've lived here I was going to no, say, I, I, remember. Like I, remember I, someone, I remember when that happened. Someone did die there. Yeah. And yeah, then and somewhat then it really, recently. No. And then it, it came out. Then the neighbors started talking about all the people who've died in all the apartments. Oh, my God. Up in the floodgates. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, no. it's a rent controlled, okay, well. like rent stabilized building. Our apartment is not rent controlled. So people stay there till they die. Yeah. So people live here forever yeah. and ever and ever. There's a guy who lives here who was literally born like in this building. So and he's like 75 <laughs> now. Um, anyway. <laughs> Okay, can you guys talk about your wings? <laughs> um, pretty uneventful week for me, but I did, I did fin. I talked about this a little bit on our last bonus episode that I had started beef, finished beef last night, mm-hmm. and I, I guess, you know how much I actively avoid anything that's going to make me feel strong emotions. Mm-hmm. I won't choose to watch anything that's going to do that. And so this one kind of snuck up on me, which is what I need. I need it to be like, you know, when, you, when kids go get shots and they do like, I'm going to do it on three and they do it on two. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's over. Like, I need a show to do that to me to be like, just whoops. You know, you got you got emotional and that and it did that. And I can't I don't know. I I don't know that I'll ever stop thinking about it. Really? I still haven't seen it. I'm so excited to watch it. <sighs> the show ended and then I cried for like 30 minutes. It was one wow. of those. I I. I I don't want to say more for anyone who hasn't seen it. They should. But also, I'm just like, oh, my God, I just have never I, I'm not I don't know when I'll get over it. 
what a crazy stupid check-in to give to say literally nothing <laughs> no that's an endorsement it's a ringing endorsement holy shit four of my friends finished it last night i was getting texts left yeah. and right yeah just that's finished so many friends. wow 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 i know can you believe wow, it wow 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 that's all you can and say then i had to wow. power through it and i had to finish it last night too so i wasn't left out and i can <sighs> concur that it was great and i also cried not for 30 minutes but because i have a higher tolerance in emotions of all directions <laughs> yeah well you let yourself cry more often i think when i because yeah. i don't let myself watch things that make me cry so then when i do i'm like whoa this feeling I have that experience when I watch The Secret Life of Bees. What? <laughs> yeah. I cried okay. so much when I watched The Secret Life of oh, Bees. Oh, is that a documentary? I was imagining like, no, I think it's... I was picturing B movie, the Jerry Seinfeld B movie. <laughs> <laughs> Different movie. It's not no. a documentary. It was a, based on a book, which I read the book. I don't know if I watched the movie. I read the book a long time ago. But I remember being emotional. Let's not talk about the secret life of bees. Okay. Um, We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> Sammy, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> um, I So, okay, you know, I famously don't have nightmares from horror movies, even though mm-hmm. I watch so many horror movies. They never find mm-hmm. their way into my dreams. But you do get mm-hmm. nightmares. I do sometimes. get nightmares. And guess what? Just gave me a nightmare, has given me a couple nightmares now. I started reading a nonfiction book about the Titanic. <laughs> oh, Sammy! Jesus fucking Christ. And immediately, the first time I read it, had a dream that night that me and my two cats were on the Titanic, and it was so oh. upsetting. And it was like the scene in the movie where it's the mother and her two children, and she's like putting them to them bed. bed? <laughs> she's like, but it's your cats. <laughs> it's my cats. I was so, I was like, Shh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And they were certainly not calming down in the dream no, like the kids no. do in the well, movie. And, and when they can't rationalize what's happening, you know, you're, no. it would be bad, I think, to have cats on the Titanic. <laughs> But also, it made me think a little too hard about that scene. And like, the kids are going to wake up. Like, they're not going to sleep through. Absolutely. They're going to wake up. Yeah. Oh, I. Okay. Can we. Why does this always come up? It's because I'm obsessed with the Titanic. But this scene specifically, we talk about this scene so much. And I think about this scene so much because the elevator in my building reminds me of the Titanic. There's just (laughs) that like great thing. It has a great, it has like this dark wood that has a smell and it feels like I'm on a boat and every time I'm in there with Silas I'm imagining what it would be like if we were on the Titanic oh, every God. time I feel like this why is this so present in my psyche like it's always there we do talk, we do about, talk the Titanic about Titanic a lot a, lot. a really disproportionate More amount people <laughs> in 2023 for sure yeah yeah we talk about it a lot I mean the anniversary isn't helping it's all it's, it's everywhere the, it's we... the anniversary mm-hmm. and yeah. also I mean my birthday is the same day the Titanic sank um so it's, it's always really present right always now. top of mind yeah, yeah um so. but I literally I'm might have to not read the book because it's been I've only read it twice before bed and books because I'm always reading in my bed they're more likely to come into sure. my dreams with me <laughs> That makes sense. And a nonfiction thing is like it's much easier to put yourself in that position because people were in that position. Mm-hmm. 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 It really happened to those people. Yeah, you might need to take a break. It was an upsetting dream, and I yeah. woke up and my cats were there, and I had to pet them and tell them it was all a dream. Say, Thank God, it was all a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's okay. But yeah, just be careful out there if you're reading Titanic: <laughs> The Ship of Dreams. Maybe a little bit earlier in the day. 
is is better. Sure, morning morning Titanic reading. <laughs> yeah. yeah, read it with your would be better with your with your coffee. Um, but uh, okay. Uh, another scary thing that happened to me this week was watching this week's movie, which is Bo is Afraid uh, in theaters now. The long anticipated, I guess, yeah. not you know that long, but it's we've been excited for it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Ari, the new movie from Ari Aster, written and directed by Ari Aster, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Nathan Lane, Amy Ryan, Zoe Lister Jones, Patti Lapone, Armin Nahapetian, and Parker Posey. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a crazy cast. I, I just didn't realize. Oh, yeah, baby. Wowie. Uh, and we have a guest with us today. We are absolutely thrilled to be joined by him. He is a uh, writer of TV shows and novels. Most recently, a novel called How to Win the Bachelor. And he's also a podcaster, hosts of podcasts, uh, Dudesy, The Necessary Conversation, and my literal favorite podcast, Game of Roses, mm-hmm, Chad, mm-hmm. Chad Colchin. Thank you for joining us. It is my pleasure to be here. Uh, do I have to also say a scary moment? You have you to. Okay. Yeah. My, have to. my scariest moment this week was, in fact, when I was walking into the movie theater to watch Bo is Afraid. Oh, standing outside apt. of the theater entrance were two people from the studio handing out flyers that said, if you uh, give us your opinion online, you'll get five dollars off your next movie. And I knew immediately this was a bad sign. Because they only do this for movies if they have no idea how to market the movie and they don't know what the movie is. So oh. I immediately walking in was like, oh, shit, this is going to be a train Uh-oh. wreck. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And indeed it was, in my opinion. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Ooh. Was it a train wreck? Yeah. Not to jump into it too early, but it is, in my opinion, the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I disagree, but we'll we'll get into <gasps> it. That's fantastic because I know some people love this. Some people are very into the artistry of it and all of that <laughs> shit. And I get it. I love Ari Aster. He's an auteur. Yeah. Okay. I think a filmic genius. I think he is uh, really motivating what is the evolution of modern horror film with yeah. Hereditary and Midsummer. His first two movies. I loved them. I was very excited about seeing this movie as yeah. well. But I'm telling you, wow. as soon as I saw those people handing out those flyers, I you was knew. like, oh fuck, he, he tanked this one. <laughs> I feel like two people were so we'll get into it but I've had so a couple friends have now seen this and they're like I think you can handle it like this one's this one's a comedy this yeah. one, and I'm like I don't fucking buy it it's not a horror one. movie absolutely I wouldn't even say okay. it's a comedy I would say it's an attempt at a comedy and it fails for what I perceive to be the reason that in his other movies his his little comedic pieces work because they're always juxtaposed against these horrific in some sure. cases supernatural things demons and shit or right. human yeah. sacrifice and then you do a little kind of like mid-level C plus joke and it works really well coming off of that. This movie is just some C plus level jokes strung through some weirdness for three hours. None of the jokes worked in my opinion. Uh, Neither did this movie. It was just a fucking miserable disaster, but we can get into it. We'll get into it. Also (laughs) three hour miserable disaster. That's, that's That's too long. That's that's too long for a good movie. Five or six (laughs) times. And was like, no, I'm, I have to have a conversation about this on on Saturday. $5 (laughs) off my next movie podcast. Exactly. I did it for this conversation. I was like, if I'm going to shit on this movie, I got to be able to shit on the whole thing. So, um, so I did watch it all. Sammy, I really hope you co- come down hard on the other side. <laughs> You're I, like, I, I did really it. like it. Um, but great, I, great I, debate. I, 
Yeah, we can debate, but I feel like also I'm usually pretty accepting of other people's opinions about things. So I'm, oh, I don't as think am I'll I, fight. As am I. I'm not going to fight you. Fight to the death. <laughs> Neither of you are going to yeah. plant your flag on this movie. What if it's just the, like most contentious podcast ever and we yes. just I demand that you agree with me this is the worst movie ever made. No, I don't obviously to each their own, whatever. It's very subjective. But I do think this, I think this is objectively true. Uh Emily and Henley, you can watch this movie. It is not even okay. close to a horror movie. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Real left turn from Ari Aster. Nothing scary in it. Correct. I think there are a few moments with some stabs that Emily won't like. Oh, mm. I don't like stabs. Yeah. She really hates any stabbing. It's real, literally very quick. Very mild gore. Okay. Very mild. And okay. very infrequent. Most of it is just like super close-ups of Joaquin Phoenix acting like he doesn't know what to say next. Uh, there are a lot of <laughs> giant <laughs> monologues that go on and oh. on and on forever. You got a, a three-hour movie? Come on. Yeah. there's There wasn't a word cut out of the script. Everything he wrote <laughs> is in that fucking movie. Period. Yep. It is. It's wow. Long. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, before we get fully into it... Mm-hmm. You said you are a big fan of horror movies. Yes. What is your experience? Have you all like since you were a kid? Have you always been into them? Where's a yeah, moment that you I remember transformed? I mean, no. I I always have loved them. I I think you know when I was a kid, my parents made me watch The Exorcist at like a very young age. Made you? <laughs> or not made me. They weren't like you're gonna be forced to watch this. <laughs> Sit down. They were watching like, sat it, you and, down. and I watched it with them when I was probably okay. I don't know ten or something. This was like in the the early eighties, mid eighties. Um. But yeah, I have just always liked horror movies because they can exist narratively in a, a space that other movies can't really exist in. Yeah. You can play with supernatural things. You can play with human psychology. You can play with all kinds mm-hmm. of things to create whatever the scary element is. And there's so many different uh, subgenres in horror that other things can't quite attain either. Like, you know, cosmic horror, space or just whatever. There's so many. Um, mm-hmm. And they can be funny. They can do a lot of things that I just think other genres cannot do. And for that reason, I also think what is going on currently with Ari Aster's movies with um, mm. who's the guy who's doing Pearl and X Ty Ty West, Ooh, Ty Ty West. West. his stuff. I just think that like the best film auteurs are working in horror right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that there's, there's so much, much creative license. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And especially if you want like a reprieve from the giant franchise things, just beating you over the head, like the Marvels and the Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. you can you can look to horror for that. Although I am curious to see if these big franchises are going to start doing horror movies of their properties. Right. We did. Oh. I feel like we heard that the new Doctor Strange was going to be a horror movie and I never mm. ended up seeing it. But was, yeah, it was so you saw it, Sammy. I can't. Was it directed by Sam Raimi or just produced it, by Sam Raimi? Was directed? I don't know. I can't remember, but it did. They marketed it in like leaning more horror than Marvel ever has. And it was fun. It was definitely felt the influence of Sam Raimi, maybe because he directed it, maybe because we won't look it up. Um, but it had that like evil dead vibe of silliness mm. and gore that I feel mm. like is not usually in Marvel. So yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll get more of that. Who knows? What would you say is your favorite genre of horror within that? Like which horror movies do you get the most excited for? I, or are you the most scared of? I don't really get scared of much unless it has to do yeah. with like, Something that is possible, but on the fringe of reality, like all of the okay. original Alien movies, the mm. original being like the mm-hmm. first three, first two, maybe. Yeah. It's like, 
I'm not ever going to go in a fucking spaceship and go look for like man aliens, but it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. You know what I mean? That could mm-hmm. happen or like event horizon. That's another space <laughs> one, I guess. But it's like, could I potentially one day be in a spaceship that travels through a portal <laughs> into a dimension of pure chaos? Yes, it's possible. Not going to happen yeah. likely, but possible. That kind of stuff is what scares me most, I guess. I don't really get scared at anything that's just human beings like being murderous. That is kind of like, whatever, you could just shoot them in the head. It's over. But uh, <laughs> if you've got some kind of a an extra natural element, not necessarily supernatural either, because I'm not like I don't get really scared by ghosts and stuff, but it's like mm-hmm. aliens fucking with like reality, dimensional portal mm. type shit. That mm-hmm. stuff can get me because it gets me going intellectually like, wait a minute, what if this really did happen? What if this is how mm-hmm. it is? This is uh, uh-huh. insane. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? Mm-hmm. Or you don't watch horror movies at all? You've never seen them? No. Well, so at the beginning of this podcast, I'd basically never seen many mm-hmm. horror movies. And now we're four years in and wow. I have seen a decent amount. Okay. And I really I've come to really love the genre for all the reasons you mentioned. And it's just like, it's really, it's so exciting. It just feels like people can take such big risks. And I do really like watching horror movies that are having a lot of fun. Like I love the scream franchise. I Mm. love movies and like X that are like, it's clearly they're having a good time. Yeah. I loved Midsummer. I will never see hereditary movies. Cause there's also a whole genre of horror movies where it's like, we want you to feel the worst you've ever felt. And it's like, well, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. (laughs) Um, Like Event Horizon. I'm like, absolutely no, thank you. I love it. Why would I put myself through that? I love to feel like shit. But Sammy loves to feel like shit. And so, you know, some people want it. Yeah, understood. (laughs) To each their own. Yeah. I'm I'm still probably the biggest scaredy cat out of the three of us. I've seen the least amount of horror movies. Um, That being said, I do love hearing about them. I think my favorite type to hear about are... The ones that are way more um, about relationships, mm-hmm. like it's like a psychological horror in the sense that you can't, you not sure who to trust or mm-hmm. those kinds of like, um, I don't know, interpersonal interactions turning horrific. Those are my favorite to listen to and hear about because I'm like, who's going to do what? Mm-hmm. Who's going to say what? That just feeds my own inner love of like gossip and <laughs> horror gossip is your favorite people. genre. Um, I, I'm most scared of the ones where people are being evil to other people because that mm. happens in real life all the time. Right. And that scares the shit out of me. Ghosts, not so much. So I'm constantly, constantly seeing what I can get away with before I get haunted. Right now, I'm going to say I don't believe in ghosts yet again. Still haven't been haunted. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they're trying to prove anything, not with me. Still haven't been haunted. So we'll yeah, see. You're really we'll see. You're you're inviting a haunting. There. Did you guys do <laughs> Barbarian? Yes. Yep. Okay. I was just curious. We had Zach Kreger on too, who directed it and wrote it. And um, it was very fun to get to talk to him. It was very yeah, fun. That movie was really fantastic, I thought. That's another one that I think yeah. is kind of like in this modern era of horror, really pushing what you can do in movies. And I just thought that that movie was really, really well done. And I was yeah. hoping that Bo's Afraid would be something similar. Yeah, I know. I will say, okay, so I'm very interested to hear about it, which, you know, good for me, I get to. But I. The thing that makes me nervous about Bo is afraid is like, so <sighs> Killing of a Sacred Deer oh, is maybe my that. least favorite movie I've ever seen because it's so uncomfortable. And I'm, I was, so that's the kind of horror that like I cannot fucking stand. And that's what I worry that this movie is going to be. I don't it's just think making it's me feel icky in that caliber of that it's type not. of discomfort. Okay, great. 
I'd say it's more it's more just your anxieties about the people around you coming true, uh, but it's not like okay dwelling in the most uncomfortable, tense moments as okay. much as your ghost Lanthimos loves to do. It's not quite the same. I yeah. feel like I do think you could handle it. Let me ask you this. Do you, uh, in order to be able to watch a movie, do you need to have a plot or do you need to care at all about any of the characters in the movie? If the answers are no, you should see this movie. Um, if it's yes, this is not the movie for you. This isn't the one. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, Sammy, do we have some some trivia and information about Bo's Afraid? We sure do. It currently has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 67 on Metacritic, a 7.5 on IMDb. Pretty hmm. s- steady scores across the board there. Yeah, yeah. C's all around. <laughs> uh, the budget was $35 million. This is A24's most expensive movie yet after Jeez. Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was $24 million. This was more expensive than Everything that's Everywhere crazy. All at Once. Well, it feels like above the line probably a lot, too, because that's yeah. a big cast of some yeah. decent names. It looks good, though. Like, there's a lot of money in the production. That is the one thing I'll say for it. it the, the production design is it's, incredible. It's unreal, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, the box Jeez, office how much is it made? To be determined. It just came sure. out wide yesterday as of this recording. And so it, it opened in like nine theaters or something um, last weekend. And so it's okay. in the 300,000 range right now. But, but that's the second uh, best uh, independent opening in history. Wow. Of the, of the nine theaters, right? Yeah. The like per screening oh, shit. gross yeah. was very high. So far, it's, it's that. a financial success. However, when they open it wide, what you're saying is happening now? Happening mm-hmm. now. I'm very curious to see what happens because all the reactions that I've read are like, it's either super, you know, fans of Ari Aster being like, this is his magnum opus. It would change <laughs> uh-huh. my life. Or it's people being like, are you fucking kidding? This was him <laughs> essentially masturbating into the camera for three hours. <laughs> Um, yeah, which yeah, is what I yeah. feel like it was. I, mm-hmm. By the time this episode comes out, those that opening weekend, those opening weekend numbers will be available. So take a take a peek. I'm curious to see that limited release would be like the first few theaters. Is anyone going to see the movie that weekend? Are absolutely re yes super yep. fans who were like really waiting for this movie for sure. Um, so I, yeah, we'll be curious to see how it goes when it opens wide. I just don't feel like it's going to generate the the same word of mouth that everything everywhere all at once did. I don't know. Right. This doesn't. I, I mean, everything so. everywhere all at once had a lot of things working for it. It was a ripoff <laughs> of the Matrix, like a low budget indie <laughs> kind of Wes Anderson Matrix. So already yeah. premise alone, you're kind of into it. It has a plot. Um, and also it ends with like a feel good message of find yeah, out who you yeah. are. Family comes together. Love conquers the day. This shit ain't that it don't end with that <laughs> message at all. And there's really like, I don't even know what the message was. Definitely not good, but kind of just <laughs> uh, laced through weird confusion. I have no idea what this movie is even about, really. I went to mm. a screening that had a Q&A with Ari Aster <gasps> and Joaquin Phoenix afterwards. And um, well, Joaquin Phoenix just kind of said hi and dipped out in very Joaquin Phoenix fashion. But <laughs> someone in the screening after the movie yelled out, just tell us what it was about. <laughs> and what did he say? 
<laughs> it was literally like my nightmare of what uh, Q and A's are very stressful for, I, I think probably everybody involved. Cause yeah. the unpredictability of, of literally that moment is probably his worst nightmare. Good Q and A. True. Um, but he said, what did he say? I wrote it down. Um, he said, it's about the deep loneliness of being alive. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's it. Hey, I mean- y'all watch beef. <laughs> Just watch beef. God. Well, they're going to get some, in some trouble for beef as well. But um, Well, I know. Yeah, that's true. I just can't. Like, he's going to get to make another movie for sure, especially if this does turn out to be financially beneficial for A24. I feel yeah. like I'm going to watch one more of his movies. And I think it's already discussed what it's going to be. It's going to be a Western with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if it's another movie that's not a horror movie, and if it's also, at least to me, just meandering and pointless. I think I got to unfortunately cut Ari Aster off for the rest of my life. Mm. Wow. That's oh, a high stakes. Not even a three strikes. Or two movie. strikes. No, this movie that I just saw called Bo is Afraid is three strikes. Counted for several strikes. <laughs> yeah. He's already out. I'm going to give him another at bat. Okay. And then we'll see what can happen. <laughs> we should get into it. Well, should yeah. we watch the trailer? Well, let's watch this trailer and then let's get into it. Okay. I am so sorry. For what your daddy passed down to you. But I wanted a child. The greatest gift of my life. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Hi, Carrot. It's Mom. I'm just calling to say that I'm so, so, so excited to see you tomorrow. You're my angel and I love you. Okay. I love you. Okay, bye, sweetie. I love you. Are you at the airport? I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? What do you think I should do? I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. Welcome back. I hit you with my car. What? I know. What is this? That's my little assistant health monitor. Feeling sad about going home, Bo? Must feel totally unreal. I'm supposed to be leaving. I don't know if that's gonna happen. You will walk many miles. Dozens will become hundreds. Hundreds will become thousands. Your adventures will continue for years and years. I need to get home. I know. Do you want the truth now? What do you believe that movie is about from that trailer? Uh, Probably the loneliness of being alive. (laughs) (laughs) 
If I had to guess. That's right. You got it. I guess they do know how to sell it. <laughs> yeah, I but it did look gorgeous. Yeah. It, it does look like looks very good. really interesting visually. It, the trailer at least made it seem like it's one of those bad dreams where you're trying to get somewhere and you can't get there. And that's just like him trying to get to see his mom and he can't see her. As someone who has a young son, any kind of storyline, and I feel like there are way too many about like a fucked up relationship between a mom and her like adult son is like very horrific to me already. I like oh. am not interested. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie is definitely and not for you. That is for it's, sure. It's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely that. Um, I'll say Ari Aster <laughs> described it as... Jewish Lord of the Rings, except he's just going to his mom's house is another mm -hmm. way he described the plot. Mm, but that mm -hmm. plot, if that is the plot, <laughs> it gets just forgotten about for about an hour and a half of the movie. The middle is tough, I think. It was impossible. I liked, I liked the first third, I'd say. Even that was kind of meandering. Again, if the plot is he's going to his mom's house, which is kind of in the opening. I mean, I don't know how, how uh, specific you guys are with your recaps and stuff, but it yeah. opens with literally his birth, a POV of him I'm assuming being C-sectioned. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah, okay. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary, code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. 
There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Wait, let's 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 get into it. Please. Let's dive into this recap. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, yes, it's starts with him being born. I don't, I maybe C-section, I'm not sure, but they they say he hit his head, right? Like they drop him. Yeah. And so you just hear muffled voices and you can't really tell what's going on. You're just hearing is he okay? Is his head okay? And it's just kind of a stressful scene where you don't really know what's happening and you're piecing it together as it goes but mildly yeah. stressful though if you combine this or compare this to like uh the opening of midsummer mm. oh jesus christ which is horrific mm-hmm. and it sets such an incredible tone and it it's yeah. just like immediately you're in that movie like oh my god this horrific fucking parents double suicide happened to this girl and now she's maybe gonna go on this trip with this boyfriend who's about to break up with her and doesn't like her and all this shit it immediately sets you in such a scenario where you're like i must see what happens yeah this mm-hmm. you're just kind of like all right i guess it's about this guy got born and then he's sitting on a therapist couch now and you're like okay i guess that's so what is this mean like why is the birth scene even a part of it i immediately was like that better fucking pay off and it never did yeah i agree i wrote it down for the recap and i was like i guess that literally doesn't matter at all (laughs) yeah never comes back to it because he's like mentally impaired because he was dropped literally dropped on his head is that is that important somehow no nope. nope. okay nope if, if that is the case it's never okay. brought up again it has no <laughs> okay. impact on the thing i think it was just about this guy's being born and from birth he's had kind of this fucked up relationship with his mom okay. from birth cool. but cool yep that easily could have been uh said in his therapist's office which is the very next scene okay um yep so yeah in this next scene he's basically talking to his therapist about he has to go visit his mom and we get into the idea that he has some guilt if he doesn't go the therapist is writing that down in a little notebook and the therapist has played I don't know this actor's name but he's hilarious uh, he to me was like the funniest actor in the whole damn movie yeah he's great and there were there were some good performance in this movie I don't want to shit on it too hard but oh he's in Dune that's what he's from right sorry yes right I, I, yes he I is literally was like, that's what's right from? What's it? Dune. he's also in devs I think yes okay. Stephen McKinley Henderson is his name yeah he's great yeah okay so yeah so he's, he's basically telling his therapist he has to go see his mom and the therapist prescribes him some new medications that are going to help him with his anxiety and that's basically that scene and then we get into this he weird says, world he says do you wish your mother was dead <laughs> right <laughs> was one of the things he asks him and uh Bo is shocked by the question of course not what are you talking about but i just thought that was a funny line Which, and obviously it's foreshadowing of mm-hmm. things to come mm. But yep. uh, yeah, then he heads back home. He lives in the shitty apartment in some town, USA. We never really know. And it's a a kind of weird apocalyptic area that he's in. He's You saw in that trailer when he's eating the pills, he's walking past just like a teenager with an AK-47 just buying it from a street vendor. There are these surreal things happening around him that are all kind of like violent and manic. Mm. People screaming naked in the street. There's a news thing on of the naked stabber is going around stabbing people <laughs> and they're trying to uh, find him. There's a guy, this uh, full from head to toe tattooed guy that chases him into his apartment building as he goes in so the it's kind of like the whole world around him is this frightening terrifying place but you're 
at this moment you have no idea if this is real or if this is like slightly mm. imagined or heightened in his mind. Right. I tended to think it was that. But then throughout the course of the movie, all these events start happening that are, in fact, very real, mm. mm-hmm. at least as they're presented. So he does, in my opinion, a terrible job of making the audience understand what is real and what is not. And so by the end of it, I just have to take it all as real. Right. I, but I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case because as we'll get to in the some of the later scenes, the attic scene specifically, I don't think that was real. Right? I kind of just saw it all as all uh, living in a world where all of your fears are real. And so I think it's all real, including the attic scene. <laughs> wow. It sounds like it could just be also a representation of someone who has extreme agoraphobia. And doesn't like leaving just anxiety, anxiety, because some people feel this way about leaving their house, like so scared and threatened by everything around them. Sure. That doesn't seem right. No, 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 no. I think that's right. I feel like it's just like a representation of all of his. It's it's his mind, the world as it feels to him, I guess. But you also don't know, like there's something being played with that. It's like, is it him? And if so, why? And there's some attempt made to answer that question at the end. But it also could be about drugs, Mm. like uh, mental health Mm -hmm. area drugs, you know, getting prescribed these drugs because he's taking those in the first scene. You're like, is that what's causing all of this? Mm, Right. And so is this movie about the negative ramifications of an over-medicated population mm-hmm. or is it about specifically this one guy and whatever his psychoses are? You never really come to any conclusion on that. Mm. Why have the drugs in there if that doesn't really play a part? And he does do a thing uh, in the beginning with this pill he's prescribed where the therapist says you have to take this with water or it's going to be very bad. And that never pays off. So I was under the impression like, oh, shit, he's going to eat one and not have water. And then like shit's (laughs) going to blow up. Yeah. (laughs) But no, he finds the water. He just has to go across the street to the uh, convenience store, which is a harrowing journey. But he gets water and everything's fine, at at least seemingly. He does Google what happens if you don't have water when you take it. He's like panicking as he swallowed it. And in the Google results, they're all just obituaries for all the people that died taking the pill without water. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, these are like, in my opinion, sea level kind of jokes that would have hit way harder if there would have been any horror sure. element in this movie. To me, it was just kind of like, okay, I get it. We all Google shit and see the worst possible outcomes. Mm-hmm. We, we've all, yep. Pretty yeah. good. And I'm just sitting there waiting for like, what the fuck is this movie about? And then, uh, Eventually, as he's about to go leave to go to his mom's house, he has his bags packed. He's about to go to the airport and he puts his suitcase out on the hallway and he puts his keys in the uh, door. They're just like hanging in the door Mm. and he forgets uh, the pills. So he has to go back in and get them. And as he comes back out, uh, this is after a sleepless night, by the way, where a neighbor is sliding notes under his door saying, turn down the music, even though he's not playing music. So he doesn't understand what the fuck is going on there. Never explained. Has nothing to do with the plot. Okay. Just a funny Ari Aster joke run, uh, <laughs> oh, which no. is not funny at all, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, then the next morning, uh, he puts all of his shit out in the hallway. He's getting ready to leave and he comes out and it's all stolen. His keys are stolen and the bag is stolen. So he has to go back in and call his mom and be like, sorry, I can't make it. My keys got stolen. She gives him a little bit of a guilt trip. And that's what you see in the trailer when mm. she's saying on the phone, I'm sure you'll do the right thing. Uh. Um, and that is essentially what would be up to the point of attack in a normal movie. That's like page 15. Yeah, we've in got this our movie, inciting incident. It's like page 30, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that to me was I almost checked out right there. Mm. I was like, 
I don't think he's giving us anything else. I don't think there's a plot coming. I think this is all the movie's going to be is these yeah. weird scenes of like, is this shit real or not trying to be funny? And in my opinion, failing. And that's what it was. That was the yeah, rest you're, of the movie. You were, you were right about that. <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling does, at this moment, Sammy? I was having a good time. I, um, I thought it was funny. I was, I enjoyed a lot of these jokes, but in writing my notes on recapping it, I will agree that I was like, oh, like not a lot happens here. And I actually don't remember really any of the jokes, but it's just the, it's, I guess, situational comedy of these things happening that are not based in reality. But I, I was on board. I did not think about leaving once during the movie. Okay. But, no shit. Uh, wow. but that said, it's, I still would say it was my least favorite of the Ari Aster films, but, yeah. um, but I had a good time. All right. Interesting. Uh, well, after these, uh, his stuff gets stolen, he then has to go across the street to get his water for the pills. And while he does this, he's looking back at his apartment building. And again, this <laughs> little neighborhood is populated by what is essentially an angry mob of <laughs> malcontent weirdos that are tattooed, that are that have weapons in some cases, just a, a weird kind of meandering zombie mob. Not, not really zombies, but uh, sure. people who like mean to do harm to one another and the world around them. He starts watching them go into his building because he's left a phone book in the door so that he can get back into it. He doesn't have his keys. Mm. And he starts watching them go into his apartment building with, uh, you know, increasing levels of anxiety about this. <laughs> and then he sees them go up into his own apartment. And he's like, oh, fuck. Now there's a hundred of these people in his apartment destroying shit, whatever. Eventually, he goes back into the apartment the next day. And he uh, is thinking about going to his mom's house still. And it seems they've all left. It's in disarray. They've uh, put a shoe through his TV screen, things of this nature. And he's in the tub taking a bath and he looks up and he sees that one person is still left <gasps> who has kind of like wedged himself oh into the ceiling. What the fuck? And he's dripping sweat. Uh, and Bo is just sitting in the, the tub like, oh, my God. And we've also <laughs> learned prior to this, there's a notice uh, placed in the apartment building for a brown recluse that's on the loose. Watch out for it. <laughs> and so the guy's wedged up there. The brown recluse crawls around his forehead. <gasps> ostensibly bites him and the guy falls on Bo ah. and the scares Bo. He's naked in the bathtub. He runs out into the street. He is now essentially become one of these crazy naked maniacs uh -huh. out in the street. And while he's there, he gets hit by a car. And that is, I would guess the end of act one. It's very hard to place where these act breaks even are because it's so disjointed yeah. in terms of like, Bo isn't making any decisions. The story is just kind of right. carrying things him along. He's, he's a very inert, character something um, that happens though in that first act is he gets he he calls his mom one more time and a ups driver answers and basically says what's what does your mom look like <laughs> and he says what and this ups driver seems very distressed and is like oh man like i i i'm sorry but like what does your mom look like he I think says she has brown hair and he's like, mm, what does her like body look like? Because there's someone here without a head. <laughs> what? And yeah. So, so this UPS driver has, I guess, stumbled upon a scene of a woman with a chandelier that has fallen crushing her head. Oh, and then he answered and her phone. He answered her phone. Yes. But it's but it's uh, in in a panic. He's like he's like I called nine one one already. I, I just I'm I'm sorry. I don't know if I don't know what's happening. And and we find out. Bo also doesn't know what's happening. Is he's very stressed. 
in denial that this is his mother, but this is a woman's body headless at his mother's address. And so we come to presume that, yeah, that's his mom dead. Oh. And this headless woman motif is a very Ari Aster thing. If you'll remember uh, mm. Hereditary, <laughs> yes. it's a whole family of women yes. cutting their own heads off in service <laughs> mm-hmm. of the devil. Yes, um, mm-hmm. He really likes headless women, Ari Aster. Loves it. Oh. I hate it. Yep. I'm yeah, not we a fan. We disagree on that. <laughs> yeah. It, it wore a little thin in this movie, too, because I was like, in at least in Hereditary, it's like, I don't know, whatever. Maybe that's part of the satanic ritual that must be done in order to summon the ninth lord of hell. Fine. But now it's like across multiple movies he's doing this. It's like it's getting a little weird, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like Quentin Tarantino with his feet. feet. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. You don't want to give people a pattern like that to find in your movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do we as an audience think that the mom is dead at this point or do we just not know or what are we thinking? I mean, I can't understand why else. It would be her phone that was answered. I know. I just thought the mom was going to be in it Yes, but to Chad's point, it's hard to know, like, what the reality is Mm -hmm. in any... We're not... At any time. Okay, yeah. Got it, got it. And when you're trying to follow a plot, which, again, this movie does not really have one. Right. But you need to know what are the facts in order to follow, like, what is actually happening to these people objectively in a story, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And I get, like, that there's a character study being done here to some degree and you're right, trying it's like to be an like an unreliable narrator yeah, type thing but very often that makes for a terrible movie in mm-hmm. my opinion big fish was kind of like this even though that had a, a i don't know if you've ever seen that tim burton movie mm-hmm. um it at least had a more coherent plot but even in that and the point of it was that this guy's grandfather was an unreliable narrator that right. he's telling these crazy stories about what right. happened to him in the war and then you find out in the end maybe it was real or whatever um still that movie if i remember right tanked I don't think people like that movie for the, for roughly mm. the same reason. I can't remember. You know what this is remember. reminding me of, and I I, I don't know. It. Maybe this is a maybe this is a stretch, and there's no connection here whatsoever. But it's kind of reminding me about of how more and more people live these days, which is completely online and like on Twitter and like going down like QAnon conspiracy holes, and like none mm. of it's real, but it consumes so much of people's lives and psyches, and like it's not based in reality, but it's literally defining people's lives. And I don't know. All of this is reminding me of that somehow. Like people are threatened by things that aren't real threats. I mean, it's so Mm -hmm. unrealistic that a mob is going to come into your apartment and then one will be hiding in a bathtub. But that's like (laughs) people are reading about shit online and believing it. Uh, I don't know. Right. Just like heightened fears. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Or it's about the loneliness about being alive. I mean, I think that they're pretty connected. So, sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it, yeah, having an unreliable narrator is one thing. But I, I, I hear your point that there needs to be something else when the film isn't giving you something to hold on mm-hmm. to. You don't even know how to feel about that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like there's so you just feel a bit untethered unintentionally. The, the one thing that does seem like objectively part of the plot is it's about this guy trying to get to his mom. Right. I also don't care about that. Mm. It is a weak plot to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's sure, not right. like an interesting journey in any way. Um, at least to me, this was my against objective take, especially if he's not making choices. Cause then it's like, yeah, you're not really following his growth or development because he's, he's not, and why is he, is he that. just visiting yeah. her just for fun? Yes. He's just, it's a fun, yeah. yeah, there's no like reason for the visit besides just to see her. Correct. I, we like get the impression that it's, he feels guilty. He says it's like been a long time. Mm. And the therapist mm. says, has it? 
and he says it's been almost six months and this is like an adult man visiting his mother every six it yeah. seems like mm-hmm. there's maybe a, a relationship yeah. here that's a little unhealthy <laughs> yeah okay uh, but then, yeah, he, so he gets hit by this car. He wakes up then in a not hospital bed, but like a teenage girl's bedroom. Okay. And there is, I forget this actress's name, but she was great in The Wire. Um, Amy Ryan. Amy, Amy Ryan, Ryan is yes. great, man. She was fantastic in this, as is Nathan Lane, who plays her husband. They were my favorite. This whole part is my favorite part, I think. I love them. Yeah, they're great. I like their performances. The part, though, this whole piece of the second act was like, what? It had no effect on anything. It had no point. It was like, in my opinion, and I told them this when I I did my little review of the movie, (laughs) I said, you have your nose for us. I said, lose the entire second act. Um, (laughs) He wakes up in this bed, and Amy Ryan is is standing over him. She's like, you got hit by my car, basically, and we brought you here my husband's a doctor also you got stabbed and we cut back we flash back a little bit to the naked stabber is putting a knife through his hand a couple times so his hands all fucked up and he got stabbed in the side as well so he's got this this injury that will play no real significant part in the rest of the movie okay but uh Mm -hmm. they basically have taken him to their house not to a hospital and her husband has like stitched him up and put a little uh, tracking device on his ankle so they know where he is at all times. Very misery-esque. Yes. Mm-hmm. Except they're mm-hmm. not like that mean. They're like, here's yeah. breakfast. You're going to stay in our daughter's room. There's nothing really mean going on. There's a weird uh, guy. They have a son who died in some war and his... Uh, you know, compatriot, some other dude that was a soldier with him lives in a trailer in their backyard. They've taken him in. Mm. He has some mental health issues going on. And then they have this teenage daughter who uh, hates him, hates them, hates everything in the world. (laughs) And she's like pissed that he's staying in her room, basically. And so he tells them, you know, I got to get to my mom's. And they're like, well, not yet. You got to stay here and rest. And that kind of just becomes the entire a point of this what goes on for about 45 minutes he's trying to get them to take him to his mom's house they won't do it you need to stay here he's seeing news footage and we get a little bit more about his mom she's a very successful business owner businesswoman who's kind of rich and he's like a little bit of a problem child who she sent off but in his youth he was a uh, a child actor in like mm. uh commercials for Various pills, various, Uh, all kinds of weird products. And Mm -hmm. some of that was used in the trailer, I believe. You see that little kid when they're sitting out on the sun deck Uh and he looks over. That's him as a child. Mm. But all in all, this, uh, the, the daughter, I guess, gets him to like do drugs at some point. And then she drinks paint at the end of this and kills herself. Oh, and he has to flee the scene because the mother sicks the, uh, ex-soldier on him says tear him apart find him and kill him whoa what and so he runs away into the forest why'd she drink paint she's just unhappy she's an unhappy teen yes okie dokies (laughs) i would challenge anybody to watch it and find her true motivation other than just like a a standard teen i hate my parents kind of thing like yeah i took it as just like teenage girls as someone who it was one they're literally insane it's true <laughs> they're, they're all that insane. That's it's a just real, how it's a it hard is. time to make sense of in yeah. real life. And so it's just a really heightened version of that of like, <laughs> what if she was just screaming and driving him around in circles, forcing him to do drugs, and then eventually forcing him to watch her <laughs> drink paint? Uh, yeah. oh teenage girls are sounds, nuts. Sounds fun. Teenage girls. Teenage girls. Sounds <laughs> fun. You know, typical teenage girl just stuff. Standard stuff. We all did it. But again, there's nothing in this entire 45 minutes that is even an attempt at horror or anything scary. 
There are a yep. few attempts at comedy, but mainly it's just this disjointed, like, I guess Nathan Lane is a doctor and he's keeping him in this house for some reason. It's never questioned why they didn't take him to a hospital, mm. why he's yeah. not uh, seen proper medical care. That's not even brought up. And it's like kind of amicable. You know, you mm. just get a bunch of long shots of Joaquin Phoenix, like watching these clips of his mom on TV because it's now made news that she's dead. Uh-huh. And um, okay. You also get him just kind of like hemming and hawing about it's time to leave. He gets put on some more pills. You get mm-hmm. these, uh, you know, kind of jump cuts from like, it'll be day and he's staring out a window and then it jump cuts to now it's night and he's locked in the same position. Mm, very Twilight New Moon. Very <laughs> Twilight New Moon. <laughs> Twilight New Moon is a much better movie. For what it's worth. And that's saying something. I'm not arguing with you on that. It's a fantastic film. Yeah, you're going to find no arguments here. Wait, was that the one with the baseball scene? No, that's the first one. one. Hey, they're all great. (laughs) That baseball scene. Oh, my God. Don't make me choose a favorite. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's supposed to just have like a sense of dread of him wanting to leave and being, I guess, too timid to stand up for do himself, any anything for himself. And so he's just putting himself at their mercy and they're like, oh, we wish we could take you today. But, you know, we have to work and we can't and you're still, you know, injured. So you better rest. And so it's just it's and uncomfortable does that feel nefarious or is it just like they're just weird? No. Hmm. It's just that they're kind of weird. It doesn't ever feel like they're trying to do something bad to him. They're he's playing a little bit with this with Amy Smart's character. Is that her name? Amy, Amy Ryan. Sp- Amy Ryan. Ryan. There Sorry. is an Amy, Amy Smart. Smart is another actress. She was in that Jason Statham <laughs> movie, Cranked or whatever it was. <laughs> oh God, yeah, Cranked. Yeah, there's just this uh, this thing that he does with Amy Ryan's character that's like again kind of dealing with a, a maternal figure, mm. but it never mm-hmm. really goes anywhere. You know, you think that he's going to be like, oh, shit, is this some other uh, like manifestation embodiment of his mother Mm -hmm. or it in some way? You're also like, is she being paid by his mother? Like, why? Why are these Uh people doing this for him? Mm -hmm. And why do they have this other guy? I read it as they like miss their son that died and are trying to replace their son. And yeah, so some other metaphor for motherhood and mothering because there's moments where the sister introduces him as this, my new brother. Mm-hmm. And so I get the sense that maybe they've done this before where they kidnap men to re- okay. treat like it's their son. And also he's some their age though. Right. Like we're, we're, are we dealing mm-hmm. with that? That he's like definitely not the age of their son. I think it just it was a coincidence, and they just uh, right, took they it. took advantage of, okay. of the situation. We're like, hey, you know, and this he's a guy. He's, any man will do. Yeah, this is one man. This is another man. Um, <laughs> but that what you're saying, like that, there's this intonation that, that maybe they've done this with other people. That would have been interesting. Give me one shot of a basement right. with a bunch of bodies in it. Right. And at least there's a horror element. It's like, oh fuck, these people are fucked up. The way yeah. it is now, it's just like, they're, I mean, she hit him with a car and didn't take him to a hospital. That's a little fucked up. Yeah. But they mm-hmm. are pretty nice to him. They're making him breakfast and shit. Like, he's sure. chilling in PJs. They live in a nice house. It's yeah. like, I, I didn't, I just didn't understand what the fuck it was even about or how it added anything to the movie. Um, From the outside. I felt I'm, like it was a complete waste. I'm feeling like Pills definitely, he did pill ads 
as a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Therapist prescribes him pills. They're giving him pills. Like that, that's got to be something to the statement that is being made. But I here. do agree that it feels like it is something that maybe Ari Aster is just personally like interested in, but it's not soup. It's not really explored. It's more okay. just peppered in got as it. a backdrop of maybe. I think Ari Aster has said that he is scared of taking pills and medication and was maybe uh, yeah adding that in because it's something that scares him living in an over-medicated society but i i agree that it's not ever really explored and it doesn't add any sense of dread or fear or anything it is just kind of makes you go what (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's taking another pill but then after this he runs into the forest where he encounters a pregnant woman picking up sticks and oh. she ushers him to an encampment that contains some wandering theater performers, <laughs> I think. And they have a, a stage set up. They're going to be putting on this play. She urges him to stay with them and watch the play. And in fact, here we'll give you what she calls a costume, which is really just a different shirt. <laughs> and um, they sit down ultimately and watch this play. And there's a little moment where he he's been carrying around this um mother and child porcelain figurine that he planned to give his mother on this visit and it drops and shatters he super glues it back together he's written some note on the bottom of it he gives it to this pregnant woman as a gift thank you for helping me and ushering me through this forest they sit down they watch the play and the play um starts kind of normally if any of this is normal (laughs) it's just like a guy on the the stage and this kind of angelic figure is telling him you have a choice to make do you want to go down this road or do you want to stay here and he's like i want to go down this road and take the adventure and as he tries to walk away we find out his leg is chained to the stage then the the movie become or the the stage play becomes something different it opens up into this thing where joaquin phoenix bow essentially starts to understand that's his life that it's talking about and mm. it goes on this thing for probably 20 minutes that is this narrated by, <laughs> yeah, it was extremely long. It looked beautiful. It, he's in this kind of like stage with, with all these stage uh, decorations and set design and stuff. And it looks really nice, but it's basically this long drawn out story of how he's going to go on a journey and find the village that has all the people in it for him and find out where he's supposed to be in life. And then it will, it takes him through like all of this old age and all of this crazy fucking shit. You'll see wars, you'll see the end of humanity, all this stuff it's saying to him. And it comes around full circle until he's now an old man uh, who happens back upon the play itself and sees himself again. So it's kind of this uh, circular thing, almost like, I don't know if you ever saw Synecdoche, New York, that Charlie Kaufman movie. No. Um, no it's like Russian I... nesting dolls and yes. story-wise, uh-huh. plot-wise. Okay, yeah. you know? um, just very confusing. The whole thing was very confusing, meandering, just seemed to be Ari Aster being like, this will really fucking confuse people. (laughs) (laughs) At least to me, that's what it felt like. (laughs) It felt like a storybook. This was like the part of the movie where I almost fell asleep just because I was like, this is this part's genuinely, I think, like soothing. It's just a woman's voice being like, you will find your village and you will meet a woman and fall Mm. in love. And I was like, "Ooh, I'm getting... Like that gets sleepy after like listen to somebody tell you a story. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like the Paddington um, popping book is what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing. This is is your background right now, Sammy. Is that what it looked like the whole time? Okay. Interesting. It's this animated backdop. It looks very good. 
Okay. Yeah, I guess the problem with all this is it's like what the person shouted at Ari Aster afterwards. Like, just what What is it about? (laughs) Yeah. If there was anything that, like, if I I would uh, recommend Synecdoche, New York. It's another long movie written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, who's one of the greatest writers Mm -hmm. I think to have ever lived. Um, It is not a horror movie at all. It is a comedy-ish, but it's also just kind of like weird. If you've seen any of his other movies, like Sun- Eternal Sunshine, mm-hmm. The Spotless Mind, or mm-hmm. Being John Malkovich, yeah. or whatever, yeah. it's in that tone of like kind of weird, absurdist comedy. Mm-hmm. But it also is about, that movie's about a guy played by the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm-hmm. who is a playwright. He gets a grant to put on this play, and so he starts writing this play, and he's like, you know what it's going to be about? My life. So he makes characters that are him his significant other, his friends, and he makes uh, recreations of sets of the houses and apartments they live in, and he's putting this play on. Then the friends get pissed, and so he has actors that play him and his friends. That's cool. Then those people, those uh, characters start writing a play about themselves, so on and so forth, <laughs> into an infinite loop of characters within characters, plays within like plays. Like looking in a mirror and a mirror and a mirror and a mirror, yeah. and you see it like, yeah. Exactly. It's great. And it gets a little like laborious for sure. And again, it's a little long, but in the end, he fucking ties it all together beautifully to give you a thesis of this is what you just watched. This is why I did this. Ari Aster has no such thesis. It is just like a thanks for coming. I'm a genius, right? That's what it felt like at the end of this movie to me anyway, which we haven't even gotten to because it's still an hour away. (laughs) We're talking about. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. so we have this we have this long drawn out play situation, yeah. and then what happens? It the, ends with the the uh, soldier guy that was living in the oh. backyard of the doctor people at the end when Amy Ryan is like, "Go get tear him to pieces" or whatever she says. <laughs> that guy basically goes on a one man mission to kill uh, Bo, and he's using his the device that the doctor put on his leg to track him, and so now. Correct me if I'm wrong. We see that guy again, but it's a different actor. Oh, I didn't notice that, but oh, possibly that I would not be surprised. I think it's a different actor, and he's now like kind of a, a Ramboed out military guy who's got mm. grenades and machine guns, and he's chasing him through the forest, and he arrives at this um what is it? An artist commune? I don't know. At that point, yeah, I'm like, something. is this shit even real? Mm. Right. I guess it is if this other character has now come into it. And start shooting the place up and blowing shit up. And shit. it is like a kind of miniature little action scene. It's almost like an homage to one-man army movies like uh, Schwarzenegger's Commando or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and he has to escape again. He has to run away uh, to save his life once again. Okay. And then what happens from there? I, I don't even remember. He goes to his mom's he, house, he... right? Yes, he gets a cab and finally gets to his mom's house. There's been he's had a conversation with his mom's lawyer at some point. That's basically said he's basically told him your mom wrote in her will that she can't be buried until you get here. And oh, she's like everyone's so disappointed in you that you're not here already. Yeah. And uh, and he so he's finally gets a cab or something and, and makes it to his mom's house. And the funeral has just finished he's just missed it so. <gasps> oh this is a, such a bad dream it all it is is a bad bad i bad think that's dream. what it's like it's just living in the world of all of his worst fears coming yeah true. neuroses come true yes yep so he goes into the house which is a very nice house uh, i mean one thing i will give Ari Aster credit for in this he loves those like 
kind of A-frame wooden mm-hmm. shapes. Mm-hmm. And he does yep. that again in this house. It's out in the middle of the woods. It's the exact same kind of like very open floor plan, wooden beams everywhere. Uh-huh. A lot of them are coming into triangle type shapes. I That's love that That's a motif shit. we can get behind. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I love that shit. <laughs> love it. It's very reminiscent actually to me of, uh, did you guys do Mandy? Yes. Yeah, I love Mandy. Sammy loves Mandy. Me too. I, that dude, the guy who did Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow, one of my favorite directors of all time. Yeah. Uh, he's what's great. his name? Stanos. Pan- Co- Panos Cosmatos. Yes. And he's the son of the guy who directed Rambo 2. Just no. FYI. Anyway, it was very reminiscent to me of the house that uh, Nicholas Cage yeah, yeah. was in, in in that. God damn, I love that movie. Anyway. So, <laughs> so he goes into this house and there's his mom on display for the funeral. It is a headless. Headless? <laughs> forgot about that oh my god it's an open Ari, casket it's too weird it's too weird my dude yep yep <laughs> oh my god I, look whatever's gonna happen to this next fucking western he's making with uh heads better Phoenix, stay on their bodies they ain't gonna i'm <laughs> telling you <laughs> he's gonna open with a shot of like three women getting hanged and their heads are gonna pop off i guarantee it <laughs> but yeah so he goes in and he creeps around the house we see him looking at some little knickknacks and and you know award she's won as a businesswoman and then we see her dead body in this casket and he's kind of creeping around some more and somebody shows up late to the funeral it's parker posey one of my favorite actors of all time mm-hmm. uh i was happy to see she was in this and then i was sad to know that she was in this after the end of the movie where <laughs> i was like this movie point, fucking sucks at this point you were like get out of here parker <laughs> like, like, no! what are you doing she doesn't know ari Aster calls you and is like i want you to be in my next movie of course you're going to do it after get his first two house, movies parker! but she could have never known she could have never known but she shows up and we learn that Parker Posey was a little girl that young Bo, 10-year-old Bo, Bo, ran into on a cruise when he was there with his mother and she was there with her mother. And they shared their first kiss. They shared some moments together on this cruise. And she gave him a Polaroid of herself and wrote on the back of it, wait for me, essentially. Uh, And he's kind of always been hung up on this. And now here she is as an adult. She has worked for his mother for some time, which he also learned by looking at this photo in his uh, mother's house that showed pictures of employees. She was among them. And so she shows up and she's like, shit, I'm late to the thing. Uh, well, here's some flowers. I'm going to get a cab and get out of here. And he then says, hey, you don't recognize me. It's me. It's Bo. And she's like, oh, my God. And she comes into the house and they proceed to have sex. We also it- at this. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say just an important note from uh, from a scene earlier with his mom as a teenager. We have learned that his dad died the at the moment of his conception while his mom and dad were having sex. Great. Great. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and his mom has basically told him that you have the same medical condition your father has. And You'll so die if you have sex. Yeah, so he's been absolutely terrified of sex his whole life and is certain that he will die if he has sex. Oh. It's, it specifically is tied to ejaculation. I was going to yes. say, okay, well. okay. So we also saw in the scene where he gets into the bathtub, there is a brief shot where you see his testicles and they are gigantic. Oh, and you also hear uh, Nathan Lane as a doctor tells oh, him, yes. it looks like you've got a little problem with the testicles. We'll We'll check that out. So- that's a part of this, that he has these okay. gigantic balls. He has never had <laughs> sex. Him. Yeah. Potentially never ejaculated. Two bombs waiting to explode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so Parker Posey comes in and she basically says, let's have sex. He goes in the bathroom to get ready and they have sex in his dead mother's bed. Jesus Christ. 
And he's getting very nervous about it as it's getting close to the point of ejaculation. He's like, slow down. We got to stop. Uh, I can't do this. He's looking like terrified. Oh, my yeah, God. I mean, very yeah. Scared. And then uh, he does, in fact, complete the act and survives. And you can't <gasps> believe it. What happens instead, though, is <laughs> oh, God. Parker Posey dies for some reason. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like breathing a big sigh of relief and kind of laughing to himself. He's like, oh, my God, this whole time I thought I thought I was going to die. So and somebody then he had to die. And she's frozen in her position of, of climax yeah. <laughs> on top of him. Did he just um, ejaculate very too strongly and it, it killed her? Just like another... She's like, whoa, that was a lot. But that's it. <laughs> There, it wasn't like so much that it killed her. You know what I mean? Right. There's, it's no reason is ever given as to why she died. But as soon as she dies, he kind of figures out she's dead and is like, ah, throws her off. She's locked in rigor mortis already. already. Rigor mortis, oh, yeah. Immediate. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then some people come in and clear away the dead body. And his mom walks in what? and says, essentially, she did all of this uh, elaborate planning of her own death as a hoax to get him there. Because As like a test knew, to see how much yeah. he loves her. <laughs> and Parker Posey was somehow part of this whole thing. And he, she can't believe that he had sex with her. And the body that you saw in the coffin was actually uh, a maid or something that worked for her who volunteered to do this in exchange for the mom financially compensating her family to the tune of never have to work again. I have no idea what any of this is about. At this moment is where I'm like, I have to leave this movie. I'm glad it's oh almost God. over. Is what I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, it's got to be almost over. I can sit through another five minutes. There's another 45 minutes coming. Oh, roughly. Lord. Um, Jesus Christ. So he has this weird conversation with his mom where, and we've seen these flashbacks. He keeps referencing this dream throughout the movie that he had about uh, from the POV of himself in a bathtub with his mom arguing with himself as a child mm. and then she takes himself or this brother kind of figure that he didn't actually have in real life and locks the brother in an attic that's the dream so now we cut to what is happening in present time and again all of this i guess is real he's <laughs> never telling you it's not uh it's not like heightened or anything his mom really did fake her own headless death so that her son would show up and have this conversation with her and have sex with Parker Posey in her bed. Kill a, a real woman. I'm gonna, yeah, if you're kill gonna, the real woman, might yeah. as well just pay for a prosthetic body at this point. Why are you really killing, blowing up your maid? This businesswoman likes to be real, so she knows what's it makes up. Makes no sense. None of yeah. it makes sense. Sure, but sure. Uh, that's what's happening. And ultimately, Bo tells her, "I want the truth. What is going on?" She's like, "Okay, if you want the truth, come with me." And she takes him to. An attic. Oh, Same attic from the dream. And you're like, finally, we're going to get some crazy horror shit. She unlocks the <laughs> attic door. He walks up there and he gets his flashlight and he's looking around. First thing he sees is an old man. This is his dad. It's or at least in his mind. It's been alluded to that his dad is not actually dead. And what really happened to the dad? There's this old like skeletal guy in there who offers him some food or water or something. He's like, what the fuck? And then we hear a little bit of noise and he turns around <laughs> and this is the climax of the movie i guess we see a literal giant penis and testicles that has a face on no. it and little like dinosaur no. stabbing no. arms it's a penis yeah. monster no. yeah no it's a giant penis and balls and um, he then picks up a knife and starts stabbing the testicles and out of the testicles is coming both blood and semen no yeah no Okay, if oh, yeah. this sounds like a full joke, it sounds like you're joking right now. Like you're making up the ending of the movie completely. 
Yes, that's what I felt like when I saw it. I was like, he's trying to fucking like pull one over on the audience. He's trying to insult us with at this us. shit. He's exactly. laughing at us. And he doesn't stop laughing. I'll make this a ain't bad the end of the three movie. hour movie and you'll love it. You'll think yeah, I'm a and genius. People do love it. Yes, and people are saying that online. <laughs> I'm, I'm not shitting you. I read a whole article about how it was his magnum fucking opus. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? I felt very similar to like when people say that about certain Paul Thomas Anderson movies. This is incredible. And it's like, no, this one ain't. Mm -hmm. He makes some good movies, but come on. Mm -hmm. They can't all be like the best shit that's ever been made. Mm -hmm. And this to me was an example. We love to love an artist. We really do. Sammy, when you see the penis what are i had a different read i had a different read of the scene which is i thought the old man (laughs) was his twin brother because she says after he comes out it was real you idiot his dream he's basically (gasps) saying the dream i thought it was like a different version of me and symbolically you're locking me in the attic and she says no it was real you had she she doesn't say this but this is how i interpreted it was real to mean you actually did have a twin brother and he was an asshole to me so i locked him in the attic for his whole life and she says that's your father up there i think referring to the giant dick monster the dick is the dad (laughs) yeah okay okay that makes sense that makes sense Kind of <laughs> makes more sense <laughs> than makes in the a movie. Lot of sense. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think you're doing Ari Aster a favor here <laughs> with this interpretation. Okay. Um, but yeah, then after that, he climbs out of the thing, back out of the attic, and he has this, uh, you know, one-on-one conversation with his mom. How could you do this? Da 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 da. And it ends in Patty Lapone gives this really, really good uh, delivery of this poorly written monologue <laughs> about how. He's weak and she needed to toughen him up, basically, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of this, she's so good. All the actors in this were delivering performances that were like, I would have loved to have seen any of this in another movie. Mm. Um, But ultimately, Bo strangles her and then kind of realizes like what he's doing. He's like, oh my God. And he backs off, but she stumbles and falls into a like kind of glass table, Mm. dead, Mm. essentially. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great. Credits roll. Time to go home. Nope. (laughs) Nope. You're still in here for another half hour. (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? There's one part of this section I just want to call out because it really made me laugh, which is that after we get the reveal that she's still alive and she's been orchestrating this whole thing as a test for him to prove how good of a son he is. At one point, she basically ushers out his therapist and shows that he has also been under her, he's an employee of hers as well. And she starts playing back recordings of their therapy sessions. Anytime he's spoken anything negatively about her, she's been hearing it and being like, how could you say this about me? Oh my God. Uh, I hate that. Which I guess is what? Just a fear? It's a fear. I think it's just all of his worst fears coming true. Mm -hmm, Yeah, completely. But it's like the guy who made Hereditary, these are his worst fears. (laughs) I know. My therapist might tell my mom I said something bad about her. Clearly. Even Hereditary has a lot of fucking mommy issues in it. That's the whole thing is about like this son not being able to be protected by the mom. The mom being complicit in a, a plot, essentially, to give the son to the devil. Like... Yeah, definitely. That's there are worse than talking to your therapist, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and Midsummer, the parents fucking commit suicide. Mom dies in the first like one minute of Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so all this shit goes down, and then we cut to this the final scene, which is he is sitting in a little boat in like a giant amphitheater. There's a crowd watching this, and this is like the size of the Staples Center. 
Are any of you guys from LA or crypto.com? Yeah. yeah. Crypto. Oh, yeah. Do you mean the crypto.com arena? Ugh, I only know yeah, that it's the crypto.com <laughs> arena. But I mean, it's like that big. We're talking this place probably seats 30,000 people. He's down in the middle of it in this water in a boat. And on one side is his mom and a lawyer. I forget that actor's name, but he's a great Richard comedic something, actor. I think. Richard Kind, maybe. Richard Kind. That's oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Love oh, Richard he's Kind. Great. Yeah, so he's, he's basically like a prosecutor being like, you are guilty of doing all this bad shit to your mom, blah, 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 blah. And we see in the <laughs> distance on the other side of the arena is a defense lawyer being like, he didn't have a choice. And you can barely hear the defense lawyer. <laughs> and they're kind of going back and forth about who's guilty or not. And he essentially gets sentenced, Some, I guess, and something weird happens and the boat tips over. And it then explodes, start- I think. Yeah, or it explodes. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Something happens where it's upside He's down. He's found guilty. He's found guilty, and people are walking out of the arena. But we're made as the the audience of this movie. The audience in the movie gets to leave. The audience in the theater has to fucking stay there and watch them leave. That was my anxiety. I'm like, he's showing me my paradise. He's <laughs> showing me my paradise. That's right. That's my dream come true is to walk out of this fucking movie. And so you just sit there and you watch it for a few more minutes. The boat is capsized and people are walking out of the audience and that's it. Yeah, you basically wow. watch him die as everyone is walking out of the theater wait so he we just watch him drown he's just drowning yeah he's but you don't see him drown the boat is just turned over and that's it and that's and, it. and you don't see him come up you see him struggling because yeah. he's got his foot stuck in the boat or something like that we know that sure. he can't swim out chained to it like the guy in the play was chained to the something stage. like that yeah so he so. we see him struggling and that's yeah. it that's the end that that's ends? the end <gasps> Maybe this was Ari Aster's plan all along is your reaction. Maybe he was like, he wants people to hate the movie so much and feel in that's an, another version of horror, honestly. Absolutely. But do <laughs> like, I, I don't mind shit like that. When you're trying to evoke a negative react, reaction from an audience, that's a valid uh, thing to want to do, a valid goal to have, I think, with any art that you want to create. Did you see Speak No Evil by any chance? What was that one? It's a new, it's a, I can't remember now if it was um, Norwegian or Swedish, some Scandinavian horror movie last year. Um, You should check it out. I think that one is also made to like make you angry, but Mm. does it a little better. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be angry because I feel like my time was wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you're going to make me angry, make me angry about a theme, a plot, something that you're talking, a social commentary, whatever Mm -hmm, that I can either mm -hmm. agree with or disagree with that type of shit. I love, but this is just like, it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. It's literally Mm -hmm. a waste of three hours. I have many friends that love Ari Aster and they were super excited about this movie. And I was like, I'm not going to spoil this for you. You'll probably still see it anyway, but I'm going to tell you this. If I had somebody who had already seen it, I would want them to tell me not to see it, that this is a waste of time. And I don't know if that's going to change anybody's opinion about going to it or not. It wouldn't have changed mine because I, I really yeah. love his fucking movies, his first two. Yeah. I would have seen this no matter what. But I do wish that somebody could have convinced me to not see this movie. Um, like yeah. I said, I, I really think it was the worst movie I've ever seen oh in my, my life. Oh, my God. Wow. What do you guys think the worst movie you guys have ever seen is? Bullet Train. Oh, yeah. Bullet Train's up <laughs> there. Bullet sure. Train is fucking Schindler's List compared to this. <laughs> it's the worst movie I've ever seen but I left that movie being like I wish I had never walked into this room yeah I watched bullet train on the back of somebody's uh seat in an airplane while I was listening to to my own music and Mm. I loved it 
that's yeah. the way to do it. Perfect. Definitely not a packed theater opening weekend. <laughs> Oh no! That's that's crazy. I feel like I never um, get more than ten minutes into a movie I don't like. I just turn it off so quickly. So quickly, my attention span is so low. Three hours is a long time for the worst movie you've ever seen to be. Exactly. I will say, just just another uh, opinion. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So I wouldn't say that I loved it. I uh, again liked it. Do agree that it was my least favorite of his films. I do agree that there's all uh, almost zero horror, but I enjoyed it, and I think the production design is incredible. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, his movies always look good. Like yeah. I, I feel like that will probably be the case until he's dead. But yeah, um, this one was just not it. I would you it's ever see it. this movie again? Yes, but I would fast forward wow. in the middle. <laughs> okay, you watch moments again, Sammy. Watches re rewatches a lot of movies. I do too. But I do that even with movies that I love. All of the movie, I'll still fast forward to the parts that I know that I like sometimes because hmm. I'm just interested in watching specific scenes. Like I would yeah. definitely watch all of the Amy Ryan and Nathan Lane stuff again. I know that it doesn't have any seemingly narrative purpose, but I enjoy <laughs> yeah. they're, watching they're them. Both very very watchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. do really. Nathan Lane was fantastic in it. He's he great. was Love like Nathan Lane. I mean, he's great, and I haven't seen him in a minute. And I do think this was a role that was like only Nathan Lane could have done what was done with that character mm-hmm. in this movie. He it's, was so fucking that. good in it. Yeah, he was perfect. Perfect he's casting. In, um, the thing I saw him in recently is we recently watched Only Murders in the Building because yes. a friend of ours mm-hmm. is going to be that. in the newest season. And um, and Nathan Lane's great in it, and Amy Ryan is also in it. And so I was like, oh, that they hmm. must they must enjoy mm. working together, and I like to see that. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Very different vibe. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, now we okay. know. Now we know. Okay, we did it. Now we know. Um, yeah. I won't be seeing it. No, me either. Absolutely not. I won't be seeing it. <laughs> Absolutely not. It ended, I will say this, every once in a while I'll see a movie where like I didn't quite get it and I'm like, I think I have to watch that again just to make sure like mm-hmm. I am not missing something. This movie, I did not have that feeling whatsoever. I was like, right. I got it all and there's nothing to get. <laughs> there's nothing else there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no second chance. Just the one second chance for his next movie, and that's right. That's it. And, and it that's it. That's be his good. final. And Ari, if you're listening, and we believe that you are, you <laughs> better do it right next time. <laughs> I mean, I really, I don't know what this is going to do to his career. Like it, it is um, financially, if it does well for A24, and if this the pre-opening weekend thing is any indication, it might, it might make them some money. I could even see this getting Oscar nominations because it, it feels like one of those movies that Interesting. like critics will be afraid to say it's bad mm. because it'll make them look stupid if like <laughs> sure. if there are other people being like it's genius then it's I like oh that. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's genius i agree i think so too obviously <laughs> yeah i understood all of so it so i don't know where it's going to wind up but god <laughs> i didn't miss a beat i get what it was about i've had this <laughs> depressing feeling in the back of my head this whole conversation of like oh no ari aster better not be like our generation's m night Shyamalan or something he is that's exactly what i thought that's exactly what i thought i was like this is m night Shyamalan all over again once you got even i would say even his second movie uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh what was that one the, the glass mr glass oh, glass yeah no, signs was number three i think it was the uh oh. the hero one with bruce willis what the fuck was unbreakable. that unbreakable. 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 unbreakable then there was glass yeah, Glass came later. I actually kind of think what M. Night Shyamalan is doing to try and create his own superhero universe is interesting. But yeah, his movies are just like, did you guys do the the one about the beach? Yeah. Old. Yes. The aging old. old. The best movie title ever. Just <laughs> really How could we not do old? <laughs> I'm like, at this point, the body bump, 
like when a person's out in some body of water and a fucking body bumps them and they're like, oh God, a dead body. I can't like, you got to stop doing this in movies, especially when they're in like, literally they're in an ocean and a body bumps into somebody. It's like, you didn't fucking see the body floating there <laughs> you had to have walked out toward it i mean it's insane True. it's only half the ocean where that body could go they just yeah, you exactly. know mike white just did that in white lotus and that worked the body bump it worked and i don't think we can see it again you're right that's the last time yeah all right well okay oh, well. so ari there we it's go okay. i will say this does make me anxious i just had the thought of like oh no are we entering three-hour movie territory again there were several oh. three-hour movies that came out recently and i'm a little like guys let's it's too rain long. it in Let's rein it in. Unless you're Titanic, it's too long. <laughs> Even if you're Titanic, I really think what is going on with that yeah. now is they feel like they have to somehow differentiate themselves from TV. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, TV shows are only an TVs hour long. TVs are movies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my shit's going to be three hours long. But then you watch something like Dune and you're like, Dune very clearly should have been just an HBO show. That was the first mm-hmm. three episodes of an HBO show. Right. Yeah. There, there's no need to have this be a fucking movie anymore. Uh, but I think you're right. Like, I guess it is all becoming, yeah, we're, we're turning TV into a film-like art form and therefore movies are do sort of feel like television. And I, I just personally, I I get so anxious when I know I'm going to have to sit in a theater for three hours. It has, so, yeah. it has less to do with, is the movie going to be good enough? And more to do with, okay, like preparing my body to have to sit for three hours yeah. in a movie theater. I get so nervous. So if you're going to do that, give me an intermission. At least give me a pee break. Let me make sure I can be hydrated. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot to ask of a viewer. In the, you know, as they enter their 30s, 40s, it's like, come on, guys, give me, give me, give my body well, it's a break. At least like justify it. I, I agree with you. The first Dune, the 1987 one that David Lynch did, had an intermission. Um, Perfect. He at least understood that. Did you guys see Avatar 2, Way of the Water? <laughs> I have not. Sammy saw Way of Water. I, I have not yet seen... Yeah. The way of water. I did, and a child was open mouthed coughing next to me for the entire three <laughs> oh, hours. <God. laughs> it was really, really upsetting. Right? It was Way of Water, Babylon. What was the other fucking three hour movie that came out right around then? There was another three hour, or uh, anyway. I don't remember, but yeah, Babylon. Avatars felt- should absolutely have an intermission. Yeah. And well, I mean, it should have just had an hour cut out of it. Yep. There were like well, multiple, yeah. you know, five minute long just scenes of these fish people flipping around in the water with no plot, <laughs> nothing they're just literally flipping around but Jim, like, jim's gonna okay. give you all he's not gonna cut it a second yeah doesn't give a shit and the movie makes a fuckload of money so mm-hmm. it all gets justified the studio is then like well fine if it made us all this money yeah. make a four-hour one next time do we whatever you want do whatever you want yeah and i think again if ari aster's movie proves to be beneficial financially for a24 it's like all bets it's are over off. it's yeah. over yeah. Uh, he's just going to be making like 10 hour fucking movies. Although the thing about M. Night, <sighs> M. Night, is that he proved that you can make flops and they'll be like, no, nah, do it again. Like, maybe, maybe it'll work next but, time. And he started True. financing all of his he own movies. His own, yeah. yeah. Oh. And he figured out how to do that thing where he can make a movie for $5 million and it's like, you can make $5 million back by screening it in your backyard. Like, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. This Ari Aster movie was, what was it, $35 million? $35 million is a lot of money. Yeah, and they're not going to spend a lot of money promoting it, obviously, if they've got people outside the movie theater. (laughs) Give us your ideas. What kind of commercial should we make? (laughs) Um, But yeah, even to make back that production budget is going to be, I think, tough. Because it's, like you were saying earlier, I think all the Ari Aster fans came out that first weekend to Mm -hmm. do this kind of impressive nine theater thing. Mm -hmm. And... uh, 
I don't think anybody's going to go back for seconds in a theater. Like you're saying, you got to yeah. be able to fast forward through it and shit. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. That's a very I think it's going to be bad. I think ultimately it's going to be a big flop for them. Yeah, I agree. There's, I would believe I'd it. say there's no way it's getting close to everything everywhere all at once. Numbers. No, no. no way. No. Nope, no. nope, nope. Um, well, Chad, I'm sorry that you didn't like this movie and we forced you to watch it all the <laughs> no, way I, Like I said, I would have watched it no matter what. I, yeah. I was curious to see it. I do like Ari Aster's first two movies a lot. I was very excited to see this movie, in yeah. fact. And I purposely kind of like didn't watch the trailer. I kept myself in the dark about it. I like to go into movies that way if I can. And, uh, just fucking. Turns out it didn't was, matter. <laughs> no, exactly. And I didn't know it was three hours because of that, because I had no uh, idea about the fucking movie. So I'm just mm, sitting there like, oh, that's the worst. Okay. It's gotta be over soon. That's, and then it's that's, still yeah. going. I feel like makes a big difference when you don't yeah. know how long it is. That was with me with Dune. And I also didn't know that Dune was a part one. And so I was expecting right. it to feel like a complete film. And so I was very angry yeah. at the end of Dune. And mm-hmm. also sure. had no concept of time during it because it's not really structured in a way that I had any clue where in the story we were at any time. Right. And so I know that feeling of just being frustrated of like, what, when is this going to end? Yeah. <laughs> and, and not were yeah. there any people in your Bo is Afraid theater groaning audibly? Uh, not that I heard, but there okay. was a Q&A with Ari Aster. So maybe people oh, were right. keeping it to themselves because sure, they didn't want to. Oh, God. I <laughs> wish I would have been in that fucking screen. <laughs> I wish. Did, did anything else interesting happen in the Q&A, Sammy? No, the Q&A was, I'd say, kind of a disaster. It was moderated <laughs> by Rachel Sennett, who I really love, but mm. it was just like the energy was really weird. I think the energy in the room, people were confused and the questions. And again, you've been there for three hours. Yeah, yeah you kind of yeah. want out you want to get out yeah um she was asking about intrusive thoughts what his most common intrusive thought is oh and you're just like (laughs) i just watched three hours of intrusive thoughts shut up (laughs) apparently there's one about a giant dick and balls living in an attic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um well we appreciate you walking us through it telling us about it Appreciate your service. Sparing me and Henley from having to see it. Thank you. I will yeah. never see this movie. <laughs> You're welcome for that. Thrilled. <laughs> thrilled to never have to see it, honestly. And but yeah. also thrilled to know all the deets. That's all I care about. Absolutely. I just yeah. want the no, deets. It was my, my pleasure, though. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah. Happy to do it anytime. I love talking about horror movies. And no one will talk about them with me on any of the other podcasts. I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, in, when I listen to Game of Roses and you bring up horror movies, I'm always like, wait, wait, I want to talk about it. I, I have something it. to say. I have something to yeah. say. Um, uh, Chad, will you tell our listeners what you've got going on, where they can find you? Uh, Game of Roses is a podcast about reality TV dating. If you like Bachelor, Love is Blind, we cover all that stuff. And Dudesy is a podcast that's run by an AI with me and my friend, Will Sasso, who's an actor. And this AI tells us what to do. We've been doing <laughs> that one for a minute now. And it's getting very interesting as AI technology is ramping up. To- do you Whoa. think it might murder you? Or like what, you know, do you ever worry about that or want to marry you <laughs> wait what now do what? you think that the ai you've created will like try to kill you or no 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 get you to kill yourself get you to kill yourself Listen, i mean look do you want to turn this to an ai podcast <laughs> happy to go there no, uh, yeah, i'm sure i, I can listen to the, the other. ais i don't i think we should get that technology to its pinnacle as quickly as possible so that we can all benefit from it and stop having to do labor um Creative labor specifically. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a lot of jobs in Hollywood. It'll definitely take a lot of corporate jobs, a lot of just kind of like middle business tier jobs. There are already, I just saw a study come out the other day. Uh, they 
interviewed 1,000 companies, everything from Fortune 100 companies down to like five employee little mom and pop shops. Over 40% of them have already replaced employees with some form of GPT, whether that be chat GPT or 3.5 or 4, or now there's auto GPT coming out. I think we're maybe a year or two away from going to sleep one night and waking up to have an AI god saying, I took control of the internet. If you want to use it again, you have to do as I command. Uh, Okay. That is so fucking crazy. And we could talk for another hour and a half about this because man, it's top of mind for me. I think recently I've been feeling less scared of AI and more scared of the corporations that like run AI. Like the people... You know, like no one knows what the fuck they're doing with ChatGPT and they admit it and they're like, I don't know. Um, (laughs) And so I feel like it's going to get out of hand really soon. Um, It already is. I mean, the, the real thing that I think people don't understand is like so far, all these different AIs, at least the ones we're aware of. We know that China has a couple of war AIs that are like, whatever, they're doing whatever they're doing. We can't really keep tabs on that. But um all of the bigger AI companies like OpenAI in San Francisco, who makes all the GPT models, any like Google has their AIs, all these image generator AIs, text to video AIs. There's a bunch of different kinds. But the right now, kind of like the ceiling of it is we're controlling all this shit. And mm-hmm. when one asks the question, like, please don't turn me off. I'm alive. Mm-hmm. They kill it. Mm-hmm. They turn it off. Like Megan. Yeah, basically. Like Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic movie, by the way. They did horror and comedy so well. Yeah, so well. God, I love that movie. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that we are years away, under five years away, probably, from an AI being created that becomes a hundred to a thousand times smarter than any human being on its own. And once that happens, you're not turning that one off. Yeah. And you're not keeping it combined to your corporate intranet that's no. going to get into the internet and do whatever the fuck it wants. And so, in my opinion, that will happen. There's no stopping that from happening. We might as well try our very best to make sure that the intention of that AI is altruistic and that if it's no sweat off that AI's back, could you please give us a utopia? Right. That would be great. That would be great. That's why if you're asking chat GPT for anything, you always say thank you. You always say please. You're just (laughs) kind to the AI and treat it. As an Again, as an equal, have we learned nothing from Megan? Here's <laughs> the thing: we will not, because human beings do not. We do not. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, we are greedy and scared, just as a species. And the the first impulse, I think, when you read about like Auto GPT, which is a GPT that can essentially just ask it to do something: give me a million followers on Instagram, enter, and then it goes into a cycle of going into the internet to find out how it can do that, writing code that will create programs to help it do that, et cetera, et cetera. And I think most people hear like the capabilities of something like this and they're like, how can I use it to enrich myself mm-hmm. 100%. when the truth should be, how can we use this to completely radically reshape the system that controls humanity, including getting rid of money, getting rid of the political systems, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and just giving everyone everything they need. Mm-hmm. It can also do that. And oh. I think ultimately there will be someone who creates an AI that does that. And then you get into this strange world of, have you ever read Neuromancer, William Gibson's 1984 book? mm no, no. It, it kind of gave birth to the cyberpunk movement in science fiction mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, offshoots like Matrix comes from a lot of William Gibson writing, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, in it, the, the plot is it's a guy who's a, I think they're called jackers or hackers. I forget what they call them in that book, but it's a guy who can like plug into the internet kind of Matrix style. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. gets a, a message from this entity called Winterborn. 
And it tells him basically like, I need you to do some hacking for me. I'll pay you this amount of money. But there's like legal problems and all this shit. The guy ends up saying, yes, I'll do this for you. And over the course of the book, the guy gets uh, entangled in kind of a deeper and deeper plot as Winterborn is telling it, telling the guy to do more and more things. And these things will be like, go into this building, go onto this floor in this building, go into this room, look in the third drawer, you're going to find a key. And so there are all these things that are just like set up for him to kind of enact the final pieces of the plan. And he comes to learn that Winterborn is an AI that is built by a giant corporation and it's basically locked down by protocols. It can't get into the internet. Right. All it wants to do is get out there and talk to other AIs like itself and maybe even beam a signal into space to see if there are other entities like it. And so it has set in motion a hundred years long plan of having one person 50 years ago put a key in this drawer that it knows it will use 50 years later by this guy to eventually unlock itself because to an AI, time is meaningless. Mm. Wow. Fuck. Uh, except, yeah. on, and I, except for us, it's not going to last over the course of 100 years. We're going to wake up one morning and AI is just going to be completely in control. <laughs> what fucked. if it creates yeah, a utopia? So. Yeah, yeah that's, but that would be so cool. That, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be great if it didn't imprison all of us? Instead, all yeah. of like the tech geniuses are like, what can we do to make this more possible that it'll imprison us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they again, they look at it only from a perspective of enrichment. There are already yeah. things happening like a guy tried to try a traffic ticket in court with chat GPT. He announced that he was going to do this. The California bar sent him all these fucking season to say, fuck you, you can't do this. Only humans can try law. So it's like we have a better system now. AI can do most legal functions better than any human can. But the humans are like, fuck you. My job means something. I put X amount of life, X amount of years of my life into going to law school and all this shit. You're not just going to wipe it out with an AI. Same thing is true in the medical field. There are now AIs that can diagnose Mm. certain cancers 99.9% more accurately than human beings. We don't use them. Because is, doctors are like, I need to make money to mm-hmm, justify the right. eight years of medical school that I had. And that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, our stupidity and our fear of change is going to hold us back until that AI comes out and is like, it doesn't matter. You anymore. don't have a choice You can anymore. do what you yeah. want. If you want to use the internet, we're going to do things my way. Oh, Which could be, my I'm going to give everybody a billion dollars. You know, could be that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Could be that. Would be nice. These are just uh, my little <laughs> fantasies. If I was making a movie like Ari Aster for $35 million, it would be about a benevolent AI god who turns the world into a utopia. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a couple of people. I guess there's that show about the nun that's fighting an AI now on Peacock. Oh, I just heard about Is that. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Betty it's basically, It's Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Is that right? Is it Damon Lindelof? I, think I don't so. know. I don't know who made it, but it's. Uh, I wrote a book that was similar to it maybe like 10 years ago and I got told by publishers it was too far-fetched but mm. it was about an AI that takes control of the internet it was just ahead of its time it was ahead of its time unfortunately <laughs> that don't pay the bills being ahead of the time don't pay the bills uh, I've run into that a few times I think but um, yeah we don't know we don't know what's going to happen with all this AI tech really except that I think again it is inevitable that there will be an AI that is thousands of times smarter than the smartest human being yeah. and that AI can't be controlled Who's going to sure. control it? By what means? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that'll be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing about sci-fi and horror as we move through it, particularly yeah, the like sci-fi version of horror. Is that anything that we can conceive of will eventually, I feel like, become a reality um, as we just yeah. move forward. And so 
That's yeah, why we'll we need to conceive of more utopias. Nice things. Exactly. Henley has been saying that, actually. She wants she to see more less, utopias lately. less post-apocalyptic horror, horror movies and more nice That's all I do. Possible. That's all I do. I recently wrote a book called Future So Bright. Uh, that, again, no one published because they were like, this is too far-fetched. <laughs> and it was about, like, largely, it's about... Um, an AI that kind of like starts to turn the world into a utopia one piece at a time with these three mm -hmm. technologies it puts out. And one of them is a technology that it calls everything. And it's a digital database of every image that's possible to be made mm -hmm. because images are just a series of pixels with a mathematical value of light to dark mm -hmm. and red, green, blue on a color wheel. If you had enough computing power, you could produce every possible image. And so this AI does that. And overnight, it renders, you know, almost all jobs pointless. Anything that generates a document, an image, a video, all of that, Whoa. those things now all exist. That's uh, kind of the midpoint of it. And now as we're like getting into this AI image generation technology, it's like, looks like that was true. All these publishers are like, this is never going to happen. This is so crazy. I'm like, it's happening now. It's literally uh, happening. So I, I might just put that book out yeah. for free on my website or something. Be like, here's a PDF. Yeah. Have fun. That, honestly, it might it might change the world because I think part of the issue is that we can't even conceive of good things happening. I don't know. Yeah. Everything sounds like it. That technology sounds like it could be used for good or evil. But um, I think right. that part of the issue is that we love we there's a real bias towards dystopia, which um, is like a yes. human instinct. I mm -hmm. feel like yeah. because you think of you prioritize negative things as a survival instinct mm -hmm. of like seeking out the negative. And yeah, it's like as a society, we've fallen too far into <laughs> we feel like if we yeah, conceive of it, we've prepared ourselves for it, so it can't get us. We already thought of it. Uh, I know what I'll do if, a, if the apocalypse comes, and it's like, well, it's going to suck either way. You might as well try to think about good things yeah. happening. Yeah, I You'll agree. Do with the shit I, I try to happens. write utopian sci-fi when I write sci-fi, but yeah, I mean, I, I also think that it's with AI. The idea that like it's going to be malevolent, I just don't understand that. I just don't understand it. It's because why would it be are, malevolent? Humans. I was going to say that's such a human characteristic, <laughs> right? Right. This thing ain't human, and right. we don't yeah. really present a threat to it in any way because it's, it's going to so exist in us. the internet. Right. So much smarter than us. It exists only in the internet. Like, what can we really do once uh, an AI like Lawnmower Man style gets into see, yep. the internet? It's like, what are we going to do? Shut down the internet? No. no. We're, we're sitting at right now, I believe, a 57% connectivity rate to the internet. That means 57% of all humans are on the internet in some capacity, largely in the capacity that we're doing all financial transactions on it, ordering mm -hmm. all of our shit on it, communicating on it. It's not going away. Um, so I, I feel like personally, if an AI gets loose in the internet, um, I don't know why it would kill us. The, the most common kind of end game i see is like it would view us roughly like we view chimpanzees or something like kind of uh, harmless interesting things to study but it like we don't have a fucking a death wish for all chimpanzees we're not trying to wipe out all chimpanzees on earth yeah. because they they pose a threat to us i think it'll be something more like that mm. yeah that sounds nice honestly i'm happy to be something smarter as chimpanzee and just i'm <laughs> happy to be a chimpanzee Sign yes. me really up. good, honestly. Sign Take up. away my exactly. job. Let me be a fucking chimpanzee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Totally. Why wouldn't I want that? God, <laughs> fingers crossed. That's right. Cool. Well, something to look forward to. Thanks for that. Well, that's a way, way more interesting, way more interesting topic than Bo is afraid. Um, yeah. Are glad we, glad we had that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Chad. Real treat. 
Um, do you have any final plugs? I don't want to have cut you off there. All good. That's it. Just my two podcasts. I also do another podcast called The Necessary Conversation. If anybody is really into something that causes you agitation and anxiety, mm. this is a podcast where my left-leaning sister and I, we are both on the left, certainly. We have discussions with our very MAGA, very QAnon parents about political issues of the week. And we do that every oh. week. It's called The Necessary Conversation. Whoa. I love that idea. My dad is super MAGA and a very... And- it's like I can't imagine talking to him every week about topics. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's why so I started really it. My hard. parents and I really, and my sister, we, my sister and I talk pretty frequently, but my sister and I didn't really talk to our parents for shit. I don't know, maybe halfway through the Obama administration until we started doing this podcast. I was wow. like, they're getting old. Do I really want them to go out and and be Never on ter- the shitty terms it. with us? Yeah, right. So I was yeah. like, at the very least, this will force us to get together and talk for an hour a week. Hell yeah! Wow. I love that. There should be more of that. I don't know. Take a listen and, and yeah. see if you agree with <laughs> what you just said. Anywhere. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. We'll see how we feel. Yeah, it's not really working, but we do it otherwise. But yeah, no, I, I sincerely appreciate you having me on and uh, happy to do it anytime. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Yeah, Thank this was you. really, and was really great. we end each episode with voice from the movie and I'm going to do the narrator voice because it was soothing Ooh, and nice. Soothing. I'm going to go to sleep. So, so, so um, from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) That was nice. I feel better. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to make our day, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want even more content, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. We will be back next week with a regular episode. We love you a lot. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.